0: Left, right. So, if you're listening to us, you either love us or you're really concerned with what's going on in the Ukraine. Uh, this entire episode is about what's going on in the Ukraine, our perspective. Uh, you know, as uh, a couple of guys in our 30s, we, uh, we haven't really experienced this Cold War type situation. Not saying we're there yet, but it is reminiscent of what we know from our personal histories of uh, what we. Heard the cold war era was like so uh we're sharing our perspectives we're trying to break down as much as we know at this time and we're going to see how uh how things unfold but uh listen out to the episode especially if you're concerned with what's going on in the ukraine and you want some people to uh relate with so uh see you guys on the other end enjoy this is sip talk grab a drink and enjoy Crisis. <laughs> Cheers. 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 All right. We are live. Welcome to Sip Talk, episode 170. My name is Justin DiGiulio out of my basement in New Jersey, joined by James, the Bosnator Boswell out of Charleston, South Carolina. James is a. Philosopher, a professional referee, a professional bartender, and most exciting ball, an accountant. James, nice to have you.
1: Good to be here. Bit of a frustrating day on the accounting side. Um, sounds, sounds riveting. Well, to make oh, to make a boring story shorter, <laughs> like, <laughs> I had I asked. I've got a payroll company that I asked to do something. They said they were going to do it. And then turns out today that they didn't do it because there was a hang-up. And I got really mad at them because I said, hey, I called you guys a week ago, and I called you three days ago asking about whether or not you had everything that you needed. And you said yes, and we'll have it done for you by the time like Thursday rolls around, which is a deadline for me. So I called today. I said, hey, how come this isn't done? And they said, oh, well, we're still missing stuff. I said, why didn't you tell me that when I called earlier so I could address it?
0: well that's 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 the business world, man that's the real world that's dealing with incompetent people that's that's how it goes um so I know we started on an exciting note because that is that is very exciting
1: i I just get really <laughs> mad when I rely on somebody else to do something for me and then they don't do it
0: yeah I know uh I'm very familiar with that feeling i think and I think we're not the only ones uh infinitely annoying um but i wanna i wanna get into it i I don't wanna I don't want to hold back, and we we could talk about some motorcycle stuff in a little bit. Uh, but you know, I I heard about last night what happened in the Ukraine. Russia started to invade, and you know I didn't think much of it today. I didn't listen to the news this morning, and uh, and then I saw this video on social media of Putin speaking, and apparently, it, it, what he was saying was. If you try to stop us, uh, we're just gonna blow you away. Basically, uh, did he, you see? Did you see this video clip?
1: No, I haven't seen the video clip, but I have seen the the quote that you're referencing, and it seems like it's a not very veiled threat of nuclear war if the West intervenes.
0: That's exactly how I read it, um, and it's fucking terrifying. It's, yeah, uh, uh, I can't I can't find the quote exactly, but it's
1: it's saying, like, do not try and stop us or you will face consequences like you have never seen before.
0: Yeah, which which basically implies to me nuclear threat. And at that when I heard this, I was in Midtown Manhattan and I remember being a kid through 9-11 living in upstate New York being like, oh, I'm so glad I live in the middle of nowhere and upstate New York this is a target for no one and it's basically nowhere. If anything was to happen, the closest thing would be New York City and that's very far away, a couple hundred miles away. So sitting in midtown Manhattan, I got uncomfortable, man. I got, a, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't expect anything imminently to happen but I just thought to myself like, you know, we, The united states if we're going to bomb somewhere it's going to be a power plant 1500 miles from saint petersburg right like it's you know we're going to we're going to send a bomb to send a signal somewhere in russia russia is not i don't i think that they might do something huge just to say to everybody else don't fuck with me and i don't see the united states uh making counter maneuvers uh you know and just lighting up russia just because I don't think that the United States would want to send a signal, creating a nuclear, a first nuclear world war, and effectively World War Three.
1: I think that there, I've read a number of stories that show a general lack of respect that the Russians have for human life. Um, one example was uh, there was a hostage situation in a theater um and so what the russian equivalent of a swat team did was they pumped the entire theater full of aerosolized fentanyl okay so, like seriously you can look this up it was fentanyl that they pumped it full of. Okay. and that basically incapacitated everybody in the theater which includes the hostages and something like 235 people died And they were able to retake the theater because they basically poisoned the entire place to death. But like, if you, if you are trying to rob a bank or something in Russia and you decide to take hostages, like the SWAT team is going to come in and they're going to shoot at everybody. (laughs) So it's not good news if you're a hostage in any situation, but it's especially bad news if you're a hostage in Russia, because you're just as likely to get shot as the bad guys because the special forces are going to come in and they don't care. Um, and so that, I, I think that that attitude extends
0: beyond small-scale
1: uh, examples like that.
0: Well, those who are watching us, whether it's TikTok or Instagram, uh, if, you, if you join on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or even Twitter, we can see your comments. If you're on TikTok, unfortunately... We can't see your comments, but we do want your opinion about Russia and about the Ukraine. This is pretty wild stuff, and we're talking pretty active combat. I saw some videos today, and the thing about videos is I'm actually super skeptical. Somebody uh, I was on the phone with earlier told me that they saw videos, and I said, yeah, I think I saw the same videos, but he was, he was saying, hey, this, is, you know, this happened today. and I said, sure, I saw the same videos, but I always ask myself, you know just because you're seeing a video posted on twitter of missiles coming in it doesn't mean necessarily that it was this morning in the ukraine uh you know people people repost kind of traumatic videos and, and and war videos and say it's happening right now not always the case always check the source but i did see videos of somebody hearing a plane aiming their their cell phone out the window and then all of a sudden you just see the missiles coming towards them and it looks like they hit Maybe twenty-five yards, fifty yards uh, away from them, it, and it looked scary close. You could hear the explosions. It was, it was, it was pretty scary shit, man.
1: No, this is a, a full-out war, and the thing that I, I've got a lot to say about this. but right, good, good. The, the 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 first thought that I had was that the the current president of Ukraine seems to me, in my limited research, to be the kind of leader that the West should really be supporting. He is anti-corruption, and not just in words, but he has actually achieved quite a bit in his country in terms of fighting institutionalized corruption. He's invested a lot in infrastructure and education, and seems to truly value the democratic process and in western democratic ideals he seems like an honest person that truly cares for the good of his nation and i'm sure he's not perfect but in terms of a leader that the west would want to support as a example to other developing nations as to what is possible when you do things right Ukraine's President Zelensky seems to me like the ideal example.
0: Well, I've had a lot of thought uh, over the last week and a half, maybe longer, about how much much meddling Russia has done into other countries' elections and, and things like this, that you have to wonder how long they've been up to this and who the people in power around them are. And uh, you know about Zelensky, I, um, you know, I don't. uh, It sounds to me like like he's not on the side of Russia, obviously. uh, Nor he's he he wants to be so much of a pushover. But I was thinking, what happens? What's he doing now? Uh, Because I haven't heard much from him today, and I haven't listened to too much of the news today. But I haven't heard much from him. I wonder what he's doing now. And then I wonder what happens once Russia takes full control over. Ukraine. And it, it sounds to me like that's about what's, to happen, what's going to happen.
1: Well, so this, the causes for what's happening right now go back eight or nine years. And you have to look at the protests that happened in Ukraine in 2013 and 2014 against their then-president Yanukovych. And
0: he was
1: very much a Russian ally. He he read what caused what what caused the protests initially was Yanukovych um, not signing a trade agreement with the EU, which was something that Russia wanted him to do because they wanted him to be they wanted Ukraine to be closer to Russia. And by signing a trade agreement with the EU, that would bring them closer with the EU. And so the Ukrainian people. We're getting more and more frustrated with the authoritarian rule of Yanukovych and, and him not signing this trade agreement was kind of the final straw. And so the protests led to Yanukovych actually leaving, fleeing the country to Russia. And... Interesting. And since then, Ukraine has elected leaders that have been much closer to the West. And while the... I'm oversimplifying the causes here a little bit. I think you can look at it as Putin came up during what he views as the golden age of the Soviet Republic. And he believes that that was the best time for Russia was when it was USSR. And you can look at especially in the last 10 years, but the entire course of his rule of Russia has been him trying to restore Russia to the way it was when he was younger as the Soviets. And Ukraine was a big part of Russia. Well, it was a big part of the Soviet Republic. So he wants that back because he believes that it's rightfully Russia's. And if he can't have that back, then he at least wants to have a government that is a puppet dictatorship controlled by Russia in a similar fashion to the way Belarus is operated right now. And... So he wants to oust Zelensky because Zelensky is allies with the West, and Zelensky won't do what won't do what Russia tells him because he's independent and he knows that Russia doesn't have his best interests in mind.
0: Yeah, th- well, that's that's actually in my notes. I have uh, uh, basically the blame being put on Putin's predecessors for letting the country fall to shit. In in his eyes, um, and and he wants to reclaim what he believes is his in in uh, Ukraine, Belarus, uh, and the former Soviet nations. Well, you, do
1: you know how Putin came to power?
0: Uh, not off the top of my head no. no well, idea. all right. So there has,
1: for a long time, been a rampant problem with corruption with Russia's state-owned industries, where people would be scraping money from the state-owned industries and putin came in and basically confronted all of these people and said and the deal that he cut with them was i know what you are doing and if i'm in power i'll allow you to continue doing so but i want my cut and my cut is half
0: okay and so
1: he's been able to keep himself in power because the richest people in the country stand to benefit the most from him staying in power because he allows them to continue to make the money that they do the way they do it. Like, I don't know what his, his estimated wealth is, but Putin is most likely one of, if not the most wealthy people in the world. Um, it's, well, just, look, it's hard to estimate what his wealth is, because he's not like Bezos or Elon, where you can just say they own X percent of a company and it's stock. trading at Y dollars.
0: Yeah, like, we're, not, we're not looking at his bank accounts or his stock portfolio. It's, it's no, like, it's
1: much it, it's much harder to figure out what he actually owns and how much it's worth. But there's no question that if Putin weren't president, he would still be an incredibly rich person. But that's the reason why he keeps power is he has the backing of the most powerful and rich people in Russia, not necessarily the populace. Now, the populace of Russia, a good portion of them have been propagandized and browbeaten into supporting him because protesting in Russia is a recipe for a long arrest. <laughs> and so the people that are protesting in Russia, I applaud their braveness.
0: Yeah, but those people they're not going to be able to protest for very long. They're going no. down. They're going to jail. They may end up dead. Uh, I think what a lot of people don't understand and and possibly can't even wrap their head around is the level of corruption, dictatorship, uh, authoritarian. Uh, the the country of Russia is, and and that's why I think a lot of people don't fully understand like what was going down during our elections. Uh, here in the U.S., was it was it France where Russia dumped a bunch of misinformation into the media immediately before they cut off? So it, it, you know what I'm talking about? Not really. So I, it, I, I'm pretty sure it's France. And what happens is the they're not allowed to re- report. The media is not allowed to report on politics 48 hours before the actual election. Okay. And, and immediately before that, Russia dumped. A whole bunch of misinformation into social media threads and things like that, and then the media had a blackout for the following 48 hours, so they couldn't tell everybody what was happening. They couldn't. Yeah, there
1: wasn't a chance for the media to cover these stories and say, by the way, all that stuff is untrue.
0: And it was France, though. You know what I'm talking about?
1: No, I don't. But Uh, Russia, Russia's disinformation campaigns in Western elections has a long and storied history
0: but i that the level of corruption is is what i'm getting at that i think a lot of people won't be able to to comprehend the fact that how you're explaining how putin came to power in a very unique way i don't think any you know we're not talking about like the italian mafia or something like that we're talking it's, at a much it's bigger scale. it's a
1: similar approach though it's just on a yeah. much bigger scale but, like the italian mafia runs their own businesses and and extorts people and all that other stuff like the russian mafia controls the state-owned businesses
0: yeah exactly exactly um and, and russia is the largest country geographically um by almost double that of the, the following countries so i think it's russia and then canada
1: yeah canada is pretty big but brazil's big too but yeah russia in terms of land area is huge but in terms of population and gdp isn't that impressive?
0: Well that so I yeah, I, I know they're like nearly double the size of the next following country, which is be Canada, which a lot of people fully under if can't people understand Canada is the second largest uh country. So then like if you, people think of large geographic geographically large countries, they're probably thinking China. But um but Russia is such a huge place and to have that much control is is insane because it's also it's it is not as populated, so you have that control widespread over a lot of different towns and smaller cities. Do you have the population numbers?
1: I'm looking at the GDP.
0: Well, the population is is one of my one of my thoughts. Just when it comes to army, you know, when it comes to manpower, in, population in of Russia is 144 million. So less than half of the United States. Yes. Wow. Okay, the United States is about the, a third of the. No,
1: no, United States is about
0: three thirty to three fifty. No, I mean the, uh, geographically. Yeah, I thought we were three sixty, but uh, but I'll I'll buy the three hundred. Oh,
1: you want to do geographic, like square miles? Yeah. Um, I think the, the United States is like. Uh, so Russia is six point six square miles. United States is three point eight.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, read something for the U.S. Yeah, so, the United
1: States and China are almost the same. 3.79 and 3.70. So, yeah, it goes Russia, Canada, China.
0: U.S., Brazil.
1: Yeah, I'm getting different. I guess there's going to be some differences in terms of how things are measured.
0: Well, yeah, and probably, like, what's, what is measured. especially Yeah,
1: like because like, one, I saw it. United States ahead of China. Another I'm seeing China ahead of the United States, but they're both pretty close. So yeah, like Russia's huge in terms of its actual land area, but like if you compare the 1.4 trillion GDP, um, let me look and like compare, like say what else
0: that's close to. I want to I want to talk about sanctions in a little bit too, because when it comes to GDP, and and it comes to how the rest of the world is dealing with what Russia's doing. I'm curious if it's going to have that much of an impact on Russia, because I feel like the majority of Europe is dependent on Russian oil. The
1: farther east you go, the more dependent they
0: are. Yeah, well, that would make sense. But where is Western Europe getting, like the UK, for example, where do they get most of their oil? And any idea? Uh,
1: Northern Africa, mm.
0: and all, Oh, actually, I'm sorry. The, like
1: also the North Sea. Um, like there's a ton of oil production between Scotland and Norway.
0: Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah guess- there's tons of
1: oil rigs in like the North Sea between like the UK and the Scandinavian countries.
0: So, so let's back up a little bit though. My, so. So when we talked about this the other day, uh, like two or three episodes ago, um, that Ukraine is not part of NATO. No, they want to be. They, they'd they like to be. as and would. sure see why. As would several other former uh, Soviet countries. Uh, they want to be part of NATO. And Russia is doing everything they can to not allow that to happen. Because once Russia invades a... NATO country the, the other NATO nations come to their defense. Now, an attack on
1: one is an attack on all.
0: Exactly. So now, if we go to bat to defend the Ukraine, because we're not, uh, because Ukraine's not part of NATO, us then attacking Russia or defending Ukraine would be seen as an act of war. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you
1: think that the United States should provide more concrete assistance or even direct combat support to
0: Ukraine? Mm -hmm. So that's a really good question. I think it would have to be with the support of the rest of the world. And because the United States can't do anything without being backed by the majority of the rest of the world because they're basically picking a fight that they may very likely lose or they may not want to win. The, the they may not lose but there's it's it's an overall too, too much of a loss right it wouldn't like, be like
1: we wouldn't lose a war to russia it would be everybody would lose a war to russia because if enough nukes go off it doesn't matter that you won well
0: my thinking also with what Putin said earlier today, uh, basically saying, you will see you know, retaliation like you never have before in your lives," sounds and, and knowing or imagining, at least, that he believes that uh, Khrushchev and, and, and the former predecessors uh, he had, which is what uh, Lenin and well
1: it went lenin stalin khrushchev somebody else after that that i can't remember and then gorbachev gorbachev was the last one but there was somebody between khrushchev and gorbachev um
0: but my my point is i think that he he believes that uh those guys failed the ussr and that maybe had they engaged more actively in nuclear war and and fought for their case, then the USSR wouldn't have been dissatisfied.
1: Well, there's another, so going along with that, um, like when Khrushchev was posturing war with the United States in the 60s, such as the the Cuban Missile Crisis, Mm -hmm. among other things, um, the reason why Khrushchev lost control of Russia was the soviet system had the politburo that decided who was going to be the leader and the politburo just said you know what khrushchev you're acting way too crazy you're going to get us into an actual war and we don't want that so they like, even as autocratic as the leaders in soviet russia were allowed to be they still had accountability to people that would oust them from power if they went too far Putin doesn't have those constraints. All Putin needs to do is keep the people that he's made rich rich, and he can do whatever he wants.
0: No, yeah, he has to keep his country on on his side. So, just a comment, real quick. I saw on TikTok from Lexi NYC saying, "Who says there isn't Russians? Who says there aren't Russians infiltrated into the Ukrainian military?" Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. I don't I don't think that's very likely, but I think ukraine by the i looked at a map of the, the
1: the 1992 vote that ukraine held as to whether they wanted to be an independent country or they wanted to join russia and with the exception of crimea and like the donbas region all of the votes were 80 plus the farther west you go you saw like 92 and 93 percent as voting for independence. independence Ukrainians yeah. want to be their own country. They want to be separate from Russia. And there are really two or three areas where that strong support wavers, And that's going to be like Luhansk, Donbass,
0: and Crimea. Well, wh- I'm, I'm curious, what does Russia get... Uh, what does Russia get by bringing the Ukraine back? What does, does Well, for it- one,
1: it's just the the idea that ukraine has always been a part of russia and it should never have broken apart well that's that's and like the restoring the glory of the soviet union line that we already talked about but ukraine also has a ton of arable farmland they've got some of the most fertile farmland in the world and a large amount of it they've got a lot of heavy industry they have a little bit of oil production and the reason why putin took crimea is because they have port access to
0: the black sea so there, so russia does get quite a bit by by taking them over now what's to say they stop with ukraine because i don't think that's very likely at all i don't i don't i don't think they're just going to take ukraine and say uh you know you're saying that they have a russian sympathizer in belarus but there's several other countries as well estonia
1: uh, latvia poland
0: that were that were formerly part of the ussr and
1: moldova what, like moldova, yeah. any of the like the like czechoslovakia yugoslavia bosnia herzegovina albania
0: yeah so what's to say they they Croatia. don't and and what are these countries going to do to fight back without just risk being destroyed and and brought right
1: and so you have to look at it as this is the West's chance to stand up and say these flagrant violations of international law and this aggression against an innocent country will not stand now the question of whether whether the sanctions that the United States and the EU have imposed and will impose are going to work Perhaps we need to give it a little bit of time. The problem with that approach is that it every like assume that the sanctions work after a month. Well, that's a month that the Russian military is in Ukraine killing people.
0: But the the sanctions are. Do you read what the sanctions are? are you familiar with them? You heard them today? Most I
1: I I watched Biden's speech today. I watched most of Biden's speech like two days ago, and they are almost entirely financial in nature.
0: Yeah, it's, they're freezing assets, they're freezing banks. Uh, apparently, Russia trades in like 80% U.S. dollar.
1: Yeah, do you know what the Russian stock market did today?
0: I have no idea. Um, but I know, I don't think our stock market did too bad. Actually, we, we went well, down. Well, started
1: from, off pretty down.
0: And then came up um,
1: yeah, but I'm going to. No, I'm going to. All right. Well, so for example, today we opened down 2.3%. So that was a pretty big, like for us, a 2% move is pretty big for the overall market. And back when coronavirus was at its absolute worst, the worst day that we had was somewhere in the range of like a 9% drop in a day. And that was like apocalypse now kind of yeah, numbers, I re- right?
0: I, re- I remember that, yeah.
1: Russia's stock market today at its worst was down 39%. Wow.
0: wow. I think it finished
1: people- somewhere between like 28 and 33%. I'm not entirely sure. But the worst that we ever did in the last three years was minus 9%.
0: Today, Russia was
1: down three or four times that.
0: <laughs> wow. That, that's,
1: that's so people so- have to be- People in but Russia have to be very is, worried does about... Does that matter? Will that stop Putin? And I have some serious doubts.
0: No, I, I, I don't think the sanctions are... Russia's a big enough place. They export enough oil. I don't know what their major imports are. Um, but I imagine they're pretty self-sustaining. Well, their imports
1: are going to be a, a fair bit of technology. So...
0: chips oh, you know, and computers
1: time- and stuff.
0: What's
1: the Russia-China relationship look like? So the point that my brother made today was, like, the West needs to cut off all oil buying from Russia. And I said, I understand the motivation for that thought, but the problem is Russia is close enough with China, both geographically and politically, that China will happily buy up Russian oil. And even if China doesn't like what they're seeing In Ukraine Um, and Brosh the point pointed this out that China's got its own kind of thing with Taiwan that is in some ways similar to the way Russia views Ukraine, where China still views Taiwan as one of its territories. So China's kind of walking a tight, a tight line here. Well, Um, but I don't think that that blocking Russian oil from being sold in the West While I think that symbolically it means a lot, it's not going to have a major effect because China can just switch from buying Middle Eastern oil to Russian oil, and China would probably be happy to take the discount.
0: Well, who was it in in terms of the sanctions cut off the – there's a pipeline – was it So Germany, there, I don't
1: remember the name of it, but there was a major oil and natural gas pipeline that they were looking to build to to Russia.
0: It was Germany. I thought maybe it was It awesome. was definitely Germany. Okay. And
1: they ended that contract. They just said, you know what? I don't care how far along we are with this. We're not building it anymore.
0: Well, you also don't want to be five years down the line and still be having issues or be dealing with a country that is just known for issues and then has that type of control over you. Yeah. because right now oil is something that we really are dependent on.
1: Well, and Ukraine is heavily dependent on Russian oil and natural gas for for its power plants and all sorts of things. So the west needs to step up in in terms of sanctioning more, supporting Ukraine more. Like to, so to the west's credit, they have supplied Ukraine with a whole bunch of advanced ammuni- like uh, very, arms and ammunition. Um, especially anti-tank launchers um, like shoulder-mounted anti-tank launchers that are highly effective and way better than what Ukraine had before. So to our, to the West credit, we've given Ukraine some tools. Um, one thing I was telling the DERV earlier today was, like, let's be honest here. The United States has a whole bunch of military units that for most purposes don't exist, Right?
0: What do you mean? I, I don't know what you're getting at. As
1: in, at. they go and do something, and it's like they were never there.
0: Give me an example. I, I, I see so, what you're getting at in terms of capability.
1: So think about like when, when they killed Osama bin Laden, SEAL Team 6, mm-hmm. when they went in and conducted that operation. The only reason we heard about that was because it was a major military target, and... It was the man who planned 9-11. So, like, the news got out because it was a major terrorist that was killed. But if you think about what that team was able to do, if, if, they, if, if our government didn't want to report that, that wouldn't have – we would never have known about it.
0: Like, Okay, but that's a so, SWAT team. Right, so but what
1: I'm I basically...
0: How much power does this SWAT team have on international scale?
1: What I would—I guess I was floating the idea to my brother that maybe we deploy... Because like, if we don't want to get involved in a war with Ukraine, I understand that. We don't want to have our troops on the ground and provoke Russia into a potential nuclear war. I get that. But you're telling me that we don't have some some unnamed squadrons in the military with no patches and no flags that can't conduct some
0: operations to help ukraine out in what way and that's and that's what i'm getting at in 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 what way i see what i see what you're saying but what are they going to go in and just just uh go you know slit uh putin's throat or something no 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 no. i'm talking about
1: in ukraine i'm not saying in russia
0: i'm saying in ukraine
1: provide all sorts of clandestine operations to to hobble the russian invasion
0: i think that's a lot more difficult than you might think you, i
1: I'm, i it's just an idea i'm not saying it's feasible. yeah well i
0: think i yeah fine fair enough I, I just think you need to have some major major artillery and getting that in there without it you know knowing the source uh i think would be tough i don't think you, you're not quite running covert operations climbing through caves in afghanistan um, but on that note we just had an incident months ago where we spent 20 years in afghanistan and then we left and hours later basically the country was taken back over by the same people that we went into fight in mm, i
1: don't think you can compare afghanistan to ukraine so, afghanistan is a really disparate country both in terms of its geography, splitting the people up, and as a consequence of that geography, it's very tribal, where the people are not like united, united as one. But my, Ukraine but has my, that to a much lower degree. It's a much more united out. country.
0: Hear me out. We just spent 20 years. We were 20 years invested in that country. We left. Shit went wrong, and we were like, eh, you know, we, you know, yeah, we, eh, we're done." Yeah. Okay. What did we
1: really so, get out of our twenty years in Afghanistan? Okay,
0: but we haven't invested twenty years into the Ukraine. It's on the other side of the world, and getting involved could start World War III. What are we likely to do in that in that scenario?
1: I look at it as we have to. This is a. This is not just an assault on a country. This is an assault on a country that has expressed expressed clearly that it wants to be a part of the West and is behaving as though it wants to be a part of the West. And if the West is going to say that we have these ideals and that this is the proper way to go about doing things, then we need to defend and support the countries that are seeking to follow in our footsteps.
0: But, but, and, and hours are ticking by. Russia continues to advance and bomb the cities Mm -hmm. and 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 what we're doing during our waking hours is is shutting down bank accounts so
1: the theory there is to make this as economically unpalatable as possible for the russians in general and especially the russian oligarchs that support putin so they no longer have a reason to support putin because they're now worse off than if he wasn't in power
0: let me ask you a question all right you're in a relationship with somebody and and you find out they're cheating and you call me up and, and you say, you know what, Justin, I'm, I'm going to go shoot this guy. I'm so mad. I'm getting my gun. I'm going to go shoot this guy. So so I call your bank and say, hey, cut off James credit card uh, and that'll show him. And, and soon he's going to run out of gas and, and then he's going to get hungry and eat groceries and, and and that'll show him. Well, you know what's going to happen over the next 24 hours or 48 hours? I'm still gonna shoot the police, guy you're still shooting the guy so now you've shot the guy and, and 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 now you've got the police after you and 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 now you're short on cash okay but but th- it, it still happened man it still happened so yeah in the law but i think what we're doing with these sanctions yeah have a real long-run effect but what happens once russia fully dominates the fuck out of ukraine and then they're low on funds, right? Like, and right, it- and that's,
1: and that's a, a
0: valid criticism of the
1: approach of using sanctions is that they don't act fast enough and they don't act strong enough to deter what is clearly happening right now. And so the question is, if we want to stop Russia from doing what they're doing and sanctions aren't working,
0: what else can we do? It's, it, it's just this level of apathy and kind of disbelief and just inability to get on the same page, I think that is that is really setting the United States back well, in, in, in terms of world dominance. Like, look at look at Iran and, and North Korea when it comes to nuclear programs and, and stuff like that. We are still, you know, because we fucked with them 13 years ago when they were working on, uh, de- you know, Iran was working on uh, Iraq. Iran, no, Iraq. Iran. Iran, yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, when they were working on developing their, their nuclear... Uh, power. We fuck with them 13 years ago, and we're still saying, well, you know, they're 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 no threat. They're not they're not getting any further, but they fucking are, and they have underground facilities and and all this shit that we have no well, no you idea. Know what, about. They, you know, as far as
1: Iran developing a nuclear weapon, they they legitimately gave up on that op uh, on on that course when they signed on to the uh, the agreement in 2015 that Obama helped pioneer with France and Germany and England and. And it was when Trump pulled out of that agreement that Iran said, okay, if you guys are going to pull out, then we're going to start developing nuclear weapons again, since apparently like, you bailed on this contract, we're free. So, Iran was actually playing by the rules until somebody decided to pull out of the agreement. I don't believe that,
0: though. I believe they're still doing all this shit underground that we would have no idea about. and, and yet, There's no proof for that. No, there's no proof, but just knowing how all Early the inspections by people who
1: were trained in finding these kinds of things came back clean. Everyone said, yeah, they're cooperating. They're right. abiding by their end of the deal.
0: Let, let me ask you a question. You ever worked for a restaurant? Yeah. In, yeah. I, I know you. you're, you um, ever worked in the kitchen. I've never
1: worked at back of
0: house, but I've you've been in the in kitchen. kitchens plenty of times. So look, if the health inspectors just show up and do a check, they're, they're probably not getting a, a great rating. If the health inspectors give you notice and you clean all the shit up beforehand, you're going to get a much better rating than had they just turned up. So, so the
1: agreement was that the inspectors didn't have to give Iran notice. Well.
0: I, you know, to me, I, I, I still don't trust it. And, and I think with underground facilities and shit like that. Like I'm that. not saying that Iran's a trustworthy nation. They
1: aren't. But I'm saying that all evidence by independent parties suggested that they were playing by the rules on that agreement. But we're off topic. Cause we are. We, they, no, we so are. When it comes to, like, I, I would actually say that the West has been pretty good here about coming up with a united response against Russia.
0: Yeah. Well, it's not the problem the is U- that the United
1: response has not been strong enough.
0: Well, yeah, and it's not just the U.S. that's that has sanctions on Russia. It's it's Japan, Australia, the U.K., uh, France, Germany, France and Germany. Yeah. Um, all the
1: all the biggest
0: powers in the world
1: except China ha- have come out against this strongly, but has have their actions been as strong as their words? And that's where things get harder to determine.
0: Well, uh, what's the time difference between here and it's got to be what? Like, I think seven hours.
1: Oh, that's it? It's either seven or eight, but I, I, I place my bet on seven hours.
0: Okay. So, uh, it's going to be tomorrow there in the middle of the night here, basically. Yep. Um. We're, I'm very curious what happens over the next 24 hours. Uh, I don't, I don't foresee them letting up at all, and I, I see them taking, uh, taking over completely by this weekend.
1: I don't know. It's it's really difficult to do for one because uh, I've been watching a whole bunch of videos and stuff on this. They, like, they, they chose a rather poor time to invade um, in that. It is late winter and early spring, and it's been relatively warm. So instead of being able to move over frozen ground that's relatively easy to move over, it's all thawing ground, so it's super muddy. So they're being bogged down by land conditions, and there's a natural edge to defenders against attackers, both in terms of local knowledge of positioning and just tactics. But also, defenders are just more motivated than attackers.
0: Yeah, well, that, that's, that's what I was going to add to what you were just saying, is that the defenders are fighting for their lives and for their relatives' lives, whereas the attackers are just kind of doing what they're told. So so there is that aspect. But I just think Russia has a hell of a lot more firepower. They do. And, uh, and a lot more manpower. And also, I they're just super fucking corrupt and i think that russia if they and i think there's a you know this is in my mind i don't know who else shares this but i think they're going to try to reclaim as much of the former former uh ussr as as possible the former soviet uh countries and or soviet states in
1: 2008 they kind of tried to pull something similar to this in georgia
0: yeah well uh one of the agents in my office is from Georgia and he was he was pretty freaked out today he's saying these things are going off like very close to where I'm from or where his family lives he actually actually left early because he, he just said this is this is wild shit yeah I don't blame uh, and uh but I I what I foresee happening is that Russia is really going to try to take all these all these other countries and I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to expand and they really fuck with the rest of the world uh, if I they think, see
1: that they can get away with what they're doing right now, why wouldn't they?
0: But and that's that's my. And I'm first. not
1: that I'm not saying that to endorse it. I'm saying realistically, uh, if they yeah. get away with this, why would they stop?
0: Yeah, and I think you know they have a really good good timing on this because the world is super divided. Uh, it's post coronavirus. And uh, and people especially are very soft now. I've heard this for I don't know if I brought it up on one of the previous uh, episodes, but I've heard this phrase used several times from several different sources over the last few weeks. And it is that tough times create tough men.
1: Yeah, you brought it up like a week ago.
0: All right, Tough men. create Well, I'll share it again. Tough times create tough men. Tough men create easy times. Easy times create soft men and soft men create tough times. And I think that we are in a time where it's been very easy and people are very soft and that we have, our entire generation has no idea about war at all or nuclear threats. The, the queasy feeling that I had when I was in my office in midtown Manhattan today, just thinking like this is a major target city and Russia isn't gonna bomb rural North Dakota they're going to bomb D.C., they're going to bomb New York City, they're going to bomb you know wherever, wherever they, they think it's going to fuck with us the most.
1: Yo, You want to hear about a crazy thing I've heard, which it, it's unverified, but one of the ways that Russia has to bomb a city is, it, and I don't know if this is true, but I watched a video about how Russia was experimenting with, like, tsunami bombs. So they take a massive nuclear weapon... And they park it a couple miles away from a city in a sub, and they detonate it and create like a 500-foot-high tsunami.
0: <laughs> there goes New York City. That's, right. That's it's like I,
1: I I don't know if that would be worse than like just dropping a bomb on a city. It might be.
0: We would have no idea that's coming. We like to think that we have an idea, but the fact that like 80 or 90 percent of our oceans are, like, we have no idea what's what's going on in the ocean completely. On yeah, and so, like, what I heard is that they have, like, these autonomous things
1: that, like, just kind of sit in the seabed somewhere waiting to be
0: activated. Yeah. Th- this is the shit that really scares the fuck out of me. And I wouldn't be surprised if they haven't spent the last 20 or 30 years putting all this shit in place. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And, and... You know, I, I was making some notes beforehand about like what modern warfare looks like and will look like, and I think nuclear warfare a very very big one, um, and then also uh, like a, what's the word I'm looking for chemical or like virus warfare, like with coronavirus, um, and then technological, and I think that Russia is posed very very well to you know russia had their own vaccine for coronavirus
1: yeah of questionable efficacy
0: sure but maybe they were really vaccinating for something else right maybe they, they were vaccinating for something they were going to dump across the rest of the world that, that feels like tinfoil
1: hat theories 100
0: percent, 100 percent. but what i'm saying is that thinking outside the box in terms of where they're going to strike and how they're going to strike next you know we, plus having a conversation about it even with A couple dozen people listening on isn't isn't going to get anybody anywhere but um you know but i just think thinking outside of the box like that is where our government needs to be thinking and be preparing for and be and be sending you know looking for for intel for these types of things just like the tsunami bomb that you're talking about it's it's very unprobable and and a bit out there but you know, if you're Russia, why why not do something like that? Why not take advantage of coronavirus and vaccinate all of your citizens against a virus that has eased, but you're vaccinating them against it? And then when that virus gets released to the rest of the world, the majority of your population stays alive and the rest of the world turns into fucking zombies.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: I, know you I was like thinking
1: that. about this before I went to sleep last night, just in terms of like... Would Russia actually like launch a nuke, and if so, what are the chances that an anti-missile defense or whatever would catch it? And uh, it wasn't—it wasn't a great thing to go to sleep to. <laughs>
0: uh, well, at least you're in South Carolina, which is improbable. I mean, you are more coastal, but
1: uh... well, we we do have uh, the the nuclear subs. Training thing in Goose Creek, the naval yards there. So, Charleston's a pretty big Navy city.
0: Oh man, could somebody Google where would Russia strike first and just comment that? Because I'm, I'm yeah, I'm sure Russia's gonna tell you. No, but I'm I'm curious what the thinking is on that, and Google's gonna give a solid enough answer that that somebody would give me what I'm looking for. Really, uh, but I'm I'm curious where people think Russia would strike.
1: Um, Honestly, I think what you do is you'd you'd pick a mid-sized target and a mid-sized nuke to send a message and say, we have more where that came from. But you're not going to play your biggest card first.
0: I think there's a good chance Russia would do that. I think there's a good chance Russia would make not... What I said was the United States would bomb an an electrical plant uh, in 1,500 miles away from Yeah, we
1: would probably try and pick tactical places that aren't going to hit a lot of civilians.
0: And I think Russia would not – Russia would actually just knock out New York City or knock out Washington, D.C.
1: I don't think they would go for New York City or D.C. first. I think that eventually they would, but I think they would try and send a message and pick a, a, a smaller target first to say, hey, you see what we just did in Fort Lauderdale?
0: <laughs> There's a comment right here that just says uh, uh they'd hit Florida first because uh they hate fun and they hate Disney World. <laughs> so yeah.
1: So <laughs> like, yeah, they would hit someplace like Fort Lauderdale and say, We were able to do that. How much do you like New York City?
0: But at that point we're geared and ready for, for the next attack.
1: Yeah, right? it doesn't matter. Like they have so many nukes that even if we're like, let's just assume that our, our anti missile capabilities are 90%. If you shoot 100 nukes, that still means 10 get by.
0: Yeah. Well, and, but also what we talked about before, Russia, the United States is four times as dense, densely populated than Russia is. So, and any- that's even
1: counting the whole like American Southwest where like you'll have, 100, like 100 miles where two people live. <laughs>
0: um, but that's, uh, you know, it, we, could, we could just pick random targets, not even random, we could pick big targets all across Russia and have considerably fewer casualties than uh, any attack on the United States with a, with a nuclear weapon.
1: Yeah, but it, it, it's still, as soon as one country starts launching nukes in another, it's game over.
0: Yeah, yeah, clearly. Um and and I thinking last week or so uh it doesn't sound that far fetched that we end up in some nuclear standoff. And I'm curious what I'm actually I wonder what countries would say, you know, what fuck this. We're closer to Russia, we're going to pick Russia's side. Not many. You don't think so? No. Mm. That's some scary stuff. Did you hear? So I, I, I uh, just I was thinking of the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, which was that the Cuban Missile Crisis was Russia docking missiles in Cuba. Is that is that correct?
1: That's how it started.
0: So uh, I I caught I only caught like the headline, but it was a 60 minutes like promo for an episode about uh, I, I I made some notes uh, invisible weapons. And what was happening in Cuba and in China was that U.S. diplomats were being targeted by some invisible weapon. So, um, Cuba. Uh, you heard about this where... Yeah,
1: this is the, the Cuba syndrome where like people working in the American embassy were coming down with all these weird symptoms. And to this day, they're not entirely sure what was being used to cause them.
0: So the symptoms, though, the symptoms were like dizziness, major headaches, speech loss, uh, just in like balance issues yeah and 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 it wasn't like one or two. there was a a whole bunch of people that this was happening to, including their children.
1: yeah, yeah so I mean and yeah they they still don't know exactly what it is. The two leading theories are some kind of like microwave transmission or some kind of like ultrasonic attack
0: yeah ultrasonic was something that that i thought was was very likely um and, and but you it's wouldn't... like
1: we we haven't been able to reproduce it or anything so it's, it's hard to say but I, I don't know um we need to we've got four minutes left let's wrap up on this
0: well I, yeah Where where? how do we close on this what are you know i think we gotta everybody's got to be watching maybe not but i would advise people watch the news And just develop their own opinions, and then share them back with us, because I'm curious
1: what
0: is going to happen in the Ukraine and in the surrounding former uh, Soviet countries.
1: Yeah, let's just yeah, because Coca Hanta says that they're totally lost with what's going on with Russia, and I think a lot of people feel that way. It's they don't really understand why this is happening or what we are doing and why we're doing it in response. And the broader implications for what happens for, for the globe. And I remember when I was in college, I took a class in political theory. And one of the things we talked about was global politics. And it, the, the, they talked about how global politics are fundamentally anarchic. Because if one country, if you look at like the UN or whatever, and this is a perfect example if one country decides i know that what you guys said we uh, i know the treaties that we signed and the agreements that we all came together say that we shouldn't be able to do this but uh we're going to and and then what happens well, uh, nothing it's anarchy
0: yeah and and but that's i i wouldn't put it past a country like russia i also wouldn't put it past a country like iran or North Korea once they have that nuclear ability, which is why I think they would secretly continue, continue doing that. But yeah, it, it, if a country just, to, and the thing is, if we say or do the wrong thing right now, uh, you know, Russia could just start lobbing over bombs. And, and that's why I think we're more likely to take no action than any action at all. Uh-huh. Um, to
1: respond to John Brindis, the the teacher for my political theory class was a uh, dr. Acarius Kelly a, a German woman who was super
0: smart <laughs> well if she was German she must be smart um, <laughs> uh, oh man I don't even know I don't I don't know I'm, I'm actually I'm a bit shook and honestly in the last minute and a half uh, I'm worried about going into the office tomorrow i don't know i'm just really freaked out and and nothing's going
1: to happen to us as long as like the the benefit to our the our nation's approach is that it puts us at very little risk for russian retaliation the drawback of our of our approach is that we're not offering enough
0: support to ukraine yeah well let's see let's see what happens overnight because that's going to be first thing i i do when i get up tomorrow morning this is going to be to listen to the news and and see what's going on but i'm just i'm worried what the united states is going to do and also lastly we got 30 seconds left i wonder what trump would have done in this situation
1: we already Uh, know
0: what throwing some bombs no
1: um he gave an interview two or three days ago praising
0: putin as savvy and genius i did see that i did see that um but i'm curious what what he would have done all right our our timer's up here uh, on that note, I want to thank everybody for joining. I want to thank big time to Rosh Galev for feeding us your guys' comments. Uh, thank you guys on TikTok for turning out, Instagram, any other platforms. Don't forget to subscribe. Anything and uh,
1: don't turn into nuclear waste before our next episode.
0: I hope not. Adios, everybody. Cheers. See ya. All right, this is the other end. If you made it this far, you owe me a like or a subscribe or a comment or any interaction with a podcast, Uh, maybe a share could be nice, be nice for me. Uh, But uh, thanks for your time today, and uh, I'll see you guys next time. As always, I I truly appreciate your time. See ya.
1: I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.